Well, there is hope in the US, it seems. Hope that the economy won't come grinding to a halt when the government runs out of money. And progress will happen this week, all because of one word. We'll look at what that word is and the optimism that's come with it, strangely. Plus, what about Australian wages? No surprise yesterday, but they could go up from here. And Japan's GDP, they are bouncing ahead, it seems, without the rate rises the rest of us have been seeing. So what next? It's Thursday, the 18th of May, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, US equity markets have bounced back as though everything is all right now. A 1.3% lift in the Nasdaq, up 1.2% for the S&P 500 at close and 1.2% for the Dow as well. But in Europe, well, the Euro stocks 50 is only 0.2% up at close. The FTSE 100 closed down 0.4%. The Hang Seng yesterday, down 2%. And US 10-year Treasury yields are pushing higher up another five basis points, almost to 3.6%. In the UK, 10-year gilts are up to 3.83% with another two basis points added this morning, whereas yields are down across most of Europe. The yield on Aussie 10-year futures now at 3.48% compared to, well, 0.3% for 10-year Japanese bond yields. And we'll talk about Japan a bit today. The US dollar is up again, up another 0.3% on the DXY, but it's up 0.9% on the Japanese yen. The Aussie also marginally up around 66.6 US cents. The pound only just in positive territory. The uh, euro is down a quarter percent. And oil is pushing a bit higher today, a 2.7% rise in WTI and Brent. Brent almost up to $77 now. So it's Rodrigo Day today. Rodrigo Catrill joins me from NAB in Sydney. So a lot of optimism today, uh, and it comes from one word from the US House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who said a compromise over the debt ceiling was doable. And clearly, uh, even though you know this is just posturing, but the market seemed to like it. It is. Morning, Phil. Yes. And uh, uh, President Biden also expressed confidence uh, that uh, they could reach a deal uh, to avoid defaults um, as he was heading uh, overseas. So a combination of the two expressing that, uh, that agreement, plus also the, the, the agreement that they, they have narrowed down um, the negotiators, the numbers of negotiators uh, to a handful uh, on both sides. Um, so it's, 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 it's all been a combination of sort of positive or, or cautious optimism um, that um, they, they are certainly getting more serious about talking um, in terms of trying to, to reach a deal. So um, it is, and you know, it has to be, you know, seen as, as good news. Um, but of, obviously, you know, history tells us that um, uh, the wrangling is likely to, to, get, to go until the 11th hour. Uh, and we are and so close to the 11th hour. Likely. We yeah, are getting be, close, and, and actually on that... 50, 50 billion have, in cash they burnt through between Friday and Monday, so that's 87 billion. <laughs> you're still billion in my left. line. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. Well, no, 87, that's you tell us. <laughs> well, 87 billion left, and that was a couple of days ago. So, uh, you know, if we're getting all that optimism, when there's so little money, and then you've got Joe Biden saying, well, what happens if we do, uh, you know, if we don't do it? Well, it could mean 8, uh, eight million job losses, he says. Uh, so, I mean, what does it, and presumably we see bonds falling sharply, yields shooting up. Uh, Janet Yellen s- summed it up. Worldwide panic, triggering margin calls, runs and fire sales. That's all if it doesn't come off, but we're confident that it will. So that's all right then. Yeah. And and I suppose history also tells us that, you know, the, the party, particularly the Republicans, whenever they have tried to, to push uh, this agenda and and create shutdowns and, uh, and furloughs and so on. 
Um, it actually hasn't paid off for them in terms of uh, political gain, if you like, and, and, and votes. Um, so McCarthy is, is traveling or walking a very thin line here because he has quite a lot of right wing, extreme right wings that are very much of the view that um, uh, negotiations should reach significant uh, cuts in terms of expenditure and, and that he, he should try really, really hard to, to achieve that. Uh, whilst at the same time, he doesn't want to create uh, the negative outcome that history has shown uh, if you push and, and you create a, a proper shutdown as well. So uh, for now, uh, it remains to be seen how it plays out. But um, uh, best guess will be that, you know, this will go on until the 11th hour before we, we reach an outcome. Yeah, but I mean, it is all political posturing. That's why I was uh, saying, you know, just with him saying, oh, it's durable, that is him positioning to say, well, look, I said it was durable. The fact that we didn't reach it clearly it's not my fault. Uh, that's all he's doing yeah, there. So correct. why we get a market response to that, I'm not really quite sure. But there is also uh, confidence in the, the U.S. banking sector as well. So the Western Alliance Bank Corp, one of the regional banks, has reported a strong growth in, in deposits, $2 billion in uh, in three months, when we assume money was going the other way around. So banking shares are up quite a bit as well, aren't they? Yes, um, and particularly those regional banks. So that's been really, really good news in terms of easing concerns of, of, of the state of the regional banks in particular. Um, and then there's also been a focus around the consumer. And we had news from Target, who, uh, which, you know, they released their earnings, uh, which were pretty much in line with expectations, although they're, they're more concerned or uh, um, cautious about the, the near term, mm. um, highlighting a little bit of that, uh, those, those concerns around a, a bit of a pullback in, in terms of consumer demand. But overall, targets outlooks are, are relatively positive and, and still talk to, to a, a consumer that remains rather resilient in the U.S. as well. Yeah, so well, we've seen target shares go up as well. So, so that's been a combination of good news, if you like, from the consumer as well as the banking sector. And we get Alibaba and Walmart as well uh, reporting their earnings uh, later on as well. But of course, you know, with these companies, if they're doing well, does that mean the economy is doing badly? You know, more people go for the cheap shops. Uh, <laughs> yes. So 10-year uh, bond yields, I mean, they got up to 3.59% today. Uh, earlier in the month, they were 25 uh, basis points lower than that. And we've got two years, almost up to 4.2%. So the 210 spread has been coming down a fair bit. It's minus 58 now. So we are seeing... Uh, a bit of movement in the yield curve. Yes, and we are approaching important levels there as well in the 10-year Treasury yield um, that could be breaking higher if you look at some of the moving averages as well as uh, previous highs. Um, so that level around 360 is important because in terms of the, the ability of yields moving higher, if you break if we break that level, then it, the, the move can extend. Um, so it's important mm. to from a if, you know from a trading perspective, those, those levels have now becoming quite quite relevant. Um, the sense here it's is if you look at sort of the the, the the data releases coming from the US is that. Maybe that slowdown is not coming as, qu as quickly as expected. Um, you know, the housing sector is also showing new signs of life. We had those building uh, um, approvals uh, overnight as well that suggesting that, you know, total housing rose 2.2%. So uh, it, it seems like kind of the worst news, particularly in the housing sector, are now behind us. And now we're starting to see a bit of a recovery there, uh, which plays to, you know, activity as well. So. Uh, overall, um, it remains to be seen how quickly the, the U.S. economy is likely to slow down. And similarly, as, as we were talking as well, the, those concerns around the regional banks in terms of the credit tightening, uh, maybe it, it proves to be a bit more resilient as well. So um, 
that of course is super important in terms of expectations for um, the Fed, what what it does near term, but also whether you know those expectations for rate cuts uh, before the end of the year uh, prove to be right as well. Well, if they've got money flowing in like that two billion in three months, and they're using that to buy uh, uh, treasuries now. I mean, that's a good time to buy. You know, they're not going to be hit with the same problem, are they? I mean, the, the whole credit story in, in, in the US is is quite complicated. I mean, the, this, there's a lot of money that has left the, the banking sector and has gone on to money market funds. Uh, and that is an important dynamic mm. because uh, we've got to remember that why are banks so important? Banks are very important because they, they create lending and lending is a source of growth. And, and if you're seeing those deposits flying away, um, then effectively means that there's less lending coming. Uh, and, and that will certainly be an additional headwind for, for the US economy. Right. Now, Aussie wages yesterday, Q on Q, are still at 0.8%. Year on year, they've risen to 3.7%. That is pretty much as expected. I think it's in line with RBA forecasts as well, isn't it? So is this a case of not much to see here? Um, yes, I, I think, well, the first thing to note is that uh, the number came pretty much in line, as you say, with also with NAV, NAV expectations as well as the RBA. Um, but when you look at the underlying dynamics, uh, what, what is interesting to note is that um, this is sort of an average of, of, of wage changes. And, and those wages that actually change, uh, they did increase by, on average, by 4.3%, particularly in the private sector. Now, what we know as well mm. is that the public sector is still in sort of negotiating, ne- negotiation mode. So we haven't seen significant changes yet on that side, but we know they're coming. And, and the news coming from, for instance, from the federal government, uh, which is not the big employer, um, is that the federal government is proposing of wage increases of four, four and a half percent, um, whilst you know the, the unions won't double that. So our sense is that that is likely to end up a little bit higher than four uh, percent. And similarly, you know we had negotiations for the minimum wage, or the, the, the government is supporting that seven percent increase as well. So we think that more of the same is coming. Uh, so the risk in terms of um, wage increases are still pointing to to the upside. Um, and therefore, in Q3 uh, and Q4, that will be important because uh, that's where the number is likely to show a, a much bigger increase and, and maybe challenge the, the view that the RBA has that wages will plateau around 4%. Um, that's important, of course, because there's still that question around productivity. You know, if yeah. productivity doesn't actually pick up. Um, we would actually need to see slower wages growth uh, in order for that inflation outlook to, to be maintained. Yeah, it's a double whammy, isn't it, if productivity starts to slide and wages go up still. We're, we're still quite a, a way behind uh, wage growth in New Zealand and, and uh, the United States, though, aren't, aren't we? So, yes, and, and but, if anything, but, that's been a very strong point of difference that the RBA has really emphasised for quite some time now, mm. that we are very different to the rest of the world and therefore we don't need to have a cash rate as high as the rest of the world. Uh, but wages now are starting to rise and, and we expect them to, to rise a little bit more. Uh, and therefore, in, in my post of challenge to, to the RBA cash rate outlook. Right. Now, Japan, obviously, keeping interest rates low. Inflation is high for them, but not compared to most of the rest of the world. And yesterday, we heard that their annualized GDP is up 1.6% in a country that has been struggling with growth. I mean, it was falling just before the pandemic, but now consumer spending is up. Private investment has bounced back. So what what does this tell us? I mean, how did they get there without the rate rises? Um, or it, does this mean that, you know, with this bounce back, they're now going to have to have rate hikes sooner rather than later? What, what can we read from these GDP numbers yesterday? 
Well, it's certainly an upward surprise in terms of the, the expectations, not only for markets, but also for, for the BOJ. Um, what is also important when you look at the dynamics is actually that domestic demand that is driving that growth. Um, I think it was 2.8% uh, analyzed for, 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 the, for the month, for, for the quarter. Um, so, so it's basically telling us that the, the reopening has legs and it's been quite buoyant. Um, it's also telling us that um, you know it's, it's made up for any weakness that is coming from from the external sector from from net exports, um, and then of course we we have inflation numbers coming up on on Friday, and our sense is that we will yet again see a rise in in that core reading in terms of inflation. So we're seeing not only the economy performing, but also we're seeing a, a broadening in, in terms of price pressures, um, and we think that it certainly puts a pressure on, on the back of Japan to consider some tweaks to his policies. Um, and, and then of course we have a new, a new uh, governor at the helm. So it made, it made actually increase the debates, particularly with those inflation numbers uh, that, that Japan uh, or the Bank of Japan needs to do something. And, and even when you look at Japanese equities, they're, they're also performing really, really well. So yeah. again, the backdrop, uh, economic backdrop, the financial backdrop is telling us that um, the, the measurements or these ultra easy measures that the bank currently has in place are probably a little bit too much for, right. for what the economy needs at the moment. So the employment numbers for Australia today, uh, after the, those uh, wage prices uh, yesterday, I guess the two go hand in hand, because if we see unemployment just staying there at three and a half percent, you know, compared to, well, you know, before the pandemic, years uh, above five percent. So if it sticks around three point five percent. I mean, that is just adding to that to that wage pressure, isn't it? It is. It is. It is adding. Yes, uh, the market expectations and and view is that uh, it's likely to stay around three and a half percent. Maybe uh, Taylor reckons this small sort of up, upside risk that it might take up to three point six. Um, there's still jobs being created around twenty five thousand, which is expected by consensus and and, and NAB as well. Um, but it's a slow moving beast, and um, I'm not sure. Uh, it may move the dial in terms of expectations. I think that uh, what happens to to inflation and and wages growth are the the real important dynamics, and uh, and we need time to yeah. to get more data in, in that regard. So not much of a reaction to this unless there's a big yeah. surprise, which is which is not what we're expecting. Look, budget time in New Zealand. I guess uh, the real interest here is going to be how much extra debt, uh, how many bonds are going to be issued. Yes, it's also. Um, it's also an election year budget, um, but the, the main focus, of course, is trying to restrain that expenditure, which is kind of getting a little bit out of hand. So there'll be a little bit of some handouts there. Uh, but uh, as you say, from, from a market perspective, is the, the issue around not only issuance, uh, but also potentially any commentary coming from the, the rating agencies. Um, there's not just the, the, uh, the fiscal position that is a concern, but it's also the external position uh, that New Zealand is facing at the moment with an increase and in, in buoying um, current account deficit. Um, and, and that could become a, a bit of a concern, if you like, for credit, credit agencies as well. Right. Japan's trade data today. Then from the US, we've got the weekly jobless claims, the Philly Fed uh, business survey as well, and existing home sales, and a few Fed speakers as well. Michael Barr from the Fed is in front of the uh, Financial Services Committee in the House of Reps on supervision and regulation more than uh, monetary policy. Uh, Hugh Pill tonight as well from the Bank of England. Andrew Bailey actually talking overnight at the Building British Business Global Annual Conference uh, and, you know, saying what all central bankers are saying now, keeping an eye on the labour market, tightness, wage growth and service price inflation. He did say he sees signs of 
the labour market tightness declining a bit because employers are moving jobs less frequently and employers are getting more applications for job vacancies. So we're seeing that as a as a as a good sign. So we're sounding a little bit dovish there. But that's it for today. That'll do. Yeah. Yeah, that's good it. Talk with Catch you next time. Great. Thanks, Phil. And Cheers. Do you want a big number to finish off with? $17 billion. That is how much UBS are saying. That's the size of the hit they took when they took over Credit Suisse. I guess they didn't have a great deal of time to do, do too much due diligence, did they, really, over the weekend? That's it for today. That's the morning call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.